Well, it's Friday. It's Friday of EMS Expo Week, and our good friend Kelly Grayson is back from turning ammunition into smoke and noise. We got a lot of good things to talk about, but here he is, my friend, the one we call KG, Kelly Grayson. KG, what's going on? Oh, man, I feel good. Uh, batteries are recharged. Uh, I got to uh, to get a little recoil therapy in Colorado at, uh, at Blogorado and, and, um, and ate far too much than was good for me and drank far too much than was good for me, not at the same time as the shooting, uh, and had a good time, man. My, hanging out with my tribe, batteries recharged. I mean, it's that whole smoke and noise thing that I, uh, I'm using now is uh, uh, Kelly Grayson colloquialism. That's right. There's nothing like there's nothing like uh, ballistic mood improvers and, and therapeutic recoil. I actually um, said I actually said to someone um, the other day that I have a friend that could fall down the stairs and accidentally intubate five people on the way down. <laughs> and I can. I just can't hit an IV uh, reliably one hundred percent of the time. Um, but uh, well, you got to stop yeah, that shaking. It's, it's all that drinking you're doing. It's all the DTs from China. The DTs. That's um, right. Yeah, I go into DTs for the rest of the year. Now we're we're gonna hang it out with the the EMS tribe uh, in the next few days. We're uh, I leave this afternoon for uh, for uh, Parsippany, New, Jer- New Jersey, and we're speaking to the New Jersey State First Aid Council uh, conference there, and then from there it's on to vital signs before I come back home. Excellent. So, very good. Very good. Buffalo and will be up in you. Very cool. And uh, you were on the EMS World Tour. We're getting into the end of the year. And this week ended EMS Expo. And hopefully we can have somebody on next week to kind of give us some of the, uh, you know, some of the information or some of the high points that happened at EMS Expo and uh, the biggest EMS show of the year. But, you know, Kelly... You know, we try very hard to uh, talk about things that I think, you know, all of EMS talks about. And I don't know that this is a story that all of EMS is talking about, but I think that they should be. And uh, in Massachusetts, a female firefighter paramedic commands an incident and they make history. And the uh, subtitle was, A Ceiling Was Shattered and a Long Time Coming, and one that they're very proud of. And that comes from Chief Kevin Gallagher. You know, and there was a full-time paramedic, uh, Wendy Ashworth. Uh, She made history last week, and she became the first female member of the fire department to command an incident. And it's just, you know, it's just, when I read this story, it was very, very refreshing to see that now they're proud of the fact that someone who was in their ranks, and this is somebody who's been with them for quite a long time, that's in their ranks, who happens to be female, who is now taking on the um, responsibilities that men have taken on in their organization for many years. And I think that there's a lot of inequality when it comes to the fire department and EMS, when it comes to our female professionals. I think that there, you know, certainly you and I have talked about bullying and we've talked about uh, uh, harassment, uh, whether it's sexual harassment or whether it's harassment that, uh, you know, they shouldn't be uh, firefighters or paramedics. And we need to have more of these feel-good stories. So today I think I really want to kind of dedicate the story to the milestone that happened up there in Massachusetts. But secondarily, I think we need to use it as a springboard to say, you know, let's stop thinking about our profession as men and women and let's start thinking about our profession as professionals. Exactly. 
Exactly. You know, and, and I give I give props to a Krishna uh, Fire Department and, and Chief Gallagher uh, in the statement. So it's one that we're very proud of. Uh, would that attitude be contagious uh, throughout the rest of EMS and the fire service? But sad to say, uh, in, in many departments around this country, even today, it's not something that they're going to be proud of. It's going to be something that they're resistant to. Uh, to my mind, Chris, I think there there's one thing, one thing and one thing only that matters when it comes to doing the job in, in firefighting, EMS, public safety, law enforcement, whatever. Can you do the job physically, emotionally, psychologically? Do you have the tools to do the job? And I don't think that's gender specific. I think that, that a, a female can be an excellent firefighter, can be an excellent paramedic, um, can be an excellent cop. Um, and, and many of them prove that, uh, day after day in, in their departments around the country. But what is still, uh, what is sad to say is that still many of them that, that are in that role, many of them have to meet an unfair standard, uh, as to behavior, um, to, to fit in, you know, and, and I think that's a, that's a shame. You know, I, I know plenty of, of females in the fire service who, who have to be, uh, more guy than the firefighters uh, to, to fit in uh, and they're expected to adapt and, and change their behavior uh, and the way they conduct themselves to fit in with that culture and and, and the same is true in, in, in EMS and in the, the companies I work for and, and I would imagine the same is true as in the police department uh, I don't think that's the way it should be I think you should be judged solely on your ability to, to do the job and it seems like uh, it seems like Wendy is is doing the job and and uh, has moved up the ranks fairly well and and now is is commanding uh, an incident the first uh, commanded by a female of the Kushnet Fire and and props to her and, and props to her fellow firefighters and paramedics at that department uh, it's really progressive and and we we need that sort of thing to catch fire and spread around uh, uh, around public safety. Yeah, and I think that you know this is this is something that uh, she is, uh, you know, she's been in the fire service for twenty four years. Uh, I think her husband is um, uh, he's a former Rochester fire chief. You know, her grandfather was a firefighter, so this is something that's been in her blood for a long time, and this is probably the job that she always wanted to have. You know, and I tell the story often about a friend of mine. Uh, about uh, 15, 17 or so years ago, and all she wanted to do was be a firefighter. And her father was a firefighter, her grandfather was a firefighter in the Northeast, and this was in Texas. And, you know, she went into the fire service, she got hired on by a, um, a smaller department, and uh, she became, and she was sexually harassed. She was sexually harassed by a battalion chief for a lot of uh, months, and, you know, she tried to curtail that, and it didn't work, so she finally went to the uh, fire chief, the fire chief came up with the battalion chief and they, you know, they tried to hide it and, you know, she became blackballed within the agency and then they found reasons to terminate her and she never worked in the fire service again because she had this reputation of being a cancer in the organization and a troublemaker. Mm -hmm. And all this, all my friend wanted to do was fight fire. All my friend wanted to do was you know, uh, you know, following the footsteps of her father and her grandfather, who were like just about every fire. Uh, so many firefighters do third, fourth generation firefighters. Right. 
but but that sort of history and following in those footsteps is is made harder for her because because of her gender. Right, and so. she, you know, she, um, her family. If she just stayed in New York City, where she, where her father and grandfather worked, she probably would have been a legacy, and yeah. they would have been happy to have her. But because she followed her husband to Texas, um, you know, th- she had this trouble, and now she doesn't get the opportunity to work in the career that she probably was born to work in. Not, not that she, you know, I mean, she probably seen it her whole life. Right. But there was a couple Mm -hmm. things that happened yesterday. So I read this article and I went out into the uh, world. I needed to get some uh, new sneakers. I needed to go to a couple meetings. And I saw this in uh, two different places. A, A guy probably maybe in his fifties was wearing a shirt with, um, Clint Eastwood on it, and he said, a she shed, in my day, it was called a kitchen. And uh, I looked at it, and it took me a bit to register, because, you know, you walk past somebody, you look at their shirt, and then you kind of ca- and then it kind of catches up to you, right? And I was thinking, um, all right, that's from Gran Torino, you know, that's where the picture was coming from, and the she shed is the, you know, the commercial where somebody burned down my she shed. And, uh-huh. you know, I kind of said, well, that's just crazy, you know. And I walked down, and I was going into um, Dick's Sporting Goods store. And as somebody was coming out, another guy was wearing a shirt that said, less bitchin' and more kitchen. And I'm saying to myself, so now I'm thinking, I've got the article in my head. I saw this one t-shirt. I see this second t-shirt. And as a society, we need to stop this gender um inequality because it's these types of mentality by men who are causing our female professionals and and female professionals all around the the united states probably all around the world to have a harder time to try to get to the goals that they want to achieve and it was a very very disappointing afternoon for me after i was so happy that you know the the ages i gotta tell you i mean it's cool that the agency is saying we we shattered a glass ceiling but i think that the glass ceiling was shattered years too late but it's it's glad that they did but it's it's even more exciting that they're excited about it and they and they want to promote it but I think there's still a fundamental challenge in the United States that we're keeping our female professionals down. We're paying them less money. We're treating them like they're, you know, objects. Uh, We're not listening to them in meetings. And this is truly a mentality that in the year 2019, soon to be 2020, we still talk about as being an unfair standard. And Kelly, you know, when is the masses... You know, and that's one of the reasons that I wanted to do this show. I I don't know that the direction of this show was going to be the discussion of this article until I saw those two t-shirts. And then yeah. it made me realize that there's still a fundamental problem in the United States when it comes to gender inequality. Yeah, and and I, I think that not only are those t-shirts misogynistic and... and uh, but I, I think they're symptoms of a larger problem uh, and reflection of the meme culture, uh, the kind of stuff that goes on, the dialogue and the, and the discourse that goes on on social media these days uh, and in our in political discussion, everything else. It's, it's civility is dying 
and and uh, reasoned discourse and, and and intelligent conversations between between parties are are becoming increasingly rare. And and in that culture, it's becoming acceptable again to be a dick. Uh, and and you see that sort of thing on T-shirts where where. You know, 10 years ago, wearing a shirt like that would have been kind of uh, the wear would have been shunned. And now, because it's funny or because it's a it's set up as a meme, um, people think that shields them from from the laws of, of good behavior uh, and and manners. You know, the 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 Clint Eastwood Grand Torino uh, shirt, you know. Eastwood played a, a crotchety dude in in Gran Torino. Get off my lawn! But and and he had some some sexist uh, views as well. But he was a character, and I, I dare say that that Clint Eastwood would be appalled uh, to see uh, his image and likeness used in a shirt that that says that sort of thing. Um, but I, I I don't know how we fight that and condemn. And and uh, applaud the women who who uh, um, overcome those obstacles uh, and hold them up as as role models. Um, you, if you recall in the uh, in the commercial, yeah, they burned down Cheryl She Shed, but she got her and even She She or She Shed <laughs> as a result of it. So um, this this whole misogynistic, racist. Uh, culture that that is is in our society i don't know that it's as prevalent as as many people believe uh but then again uh i'm a white male uh so i've I've never been racially um discriminated against and and i've never been discriminated against based on my uh on my gender uh that's foreign territory for me so i can't speak to others experiences but Man, how, how many times have you, in your career, run into someone who, uh, some guy who who has some strong opinions uh, that that uh, women folks should not do this job? You know, I know that I have. I work with some of them today. Not often, but there are a couple of paramedics in my area that uh, one in particular where he has a reputation uh, of being a jerk to females, and no one wants to work with him. Yeah, and I think that the you know you ask a really good question, but I, I want to go ahead and point a finger back to myself in the sense of you know when I was a paramedic on the on the street, and you know you would go into the emergency rooms, and you know certainly the females that worked in the organizations, I can't tell you that I wasn't a little bit uh, assertive when it would come time to try to take them out or go out on dates or you know, co-workers to kind of go out with me. And so I kind of crossed the line myself, you know, in the inappropriate behavior, I think that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause that's what it really was. When we think about EMS as we were growing up, it was really a, it was really a family and it was really of, you know, who your friends were and, you know, it was trying to, um, um, and I, I want to try to find a word that really kind of describes it, but, uh, it wasn't until I got to be older that I realized that my behavior was unprofessional and that I, this wasn't my own, you know, personal, my career field wasn't my own personal dating site. And, um, it was a boys club, you know, and, uh, but I, but your behavior was, 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 uh, judged in context. 
right. uh, of being in a boys club by other boys, which, and that's not necessarily an accurate, uh, an accurate judge of good behavior. Now I will tell you this. So one of the things that I tried to do in my career, Kelly was find mentors who of course can help me grow and get to where I wanted to be as a professional. Mm-hmm. And some of those mentors I, um, sought outside of EMS and there was this one lady, her name was uh, Karen Fielding. She was a director in a manufacturing company in Fort Worth. And I met her uh, sitting on one of the, uh, I had the opportunity to sit on a board. And she became one of my outside mentors. And she actually witnessed me, I guess, flirting with somebody who was in her organization as I was leaving one of those board meetings. And the next time she saw me, she kind of pulled me in and said, you know, so I saw you talking to, to the young lady. And, uh, you know, I talked to her after that. And you know, you made her feel uncomfortable. I said, well, no, I didn't know that. And she basically stepped towards me. So I'm going to say she's probably about seven or eight steps. And she stepped towards me about three steps. And she goes, so is this who you want to be known as, as you grow to be a professional? With her finger pointing at me. I'm not a person who likes people pointing their finger at me, but at this point in time, uh-huh. it seemed very just that she was pointing her finger at me and saying, is this who you want to be known as a professional? And it was that day that made me realize that my behavior was inappropriate and that I needed to curtail my behavior. But one of the things that I tried to do after that is I had just become a, a clinical coordinator at MedStar. I was soon to become the clinical director probably after a year and a half. And as I tried to grow in my leadership, I wanted to hire more women into the positions who were around me um, to give them those opportunities. Now, they had to qualify for the positions. They had to impress me in the interviews. But because of my behavior... It soon became a reputation that, oh, he's just hiring women because that's the type of person he is, rather than giving them the opportunity. So I had truly tarnished my ability to be an effective leader Uh by the people I was you know, circling myself with, because I gave the female professionals as much of an opportunity to be part of my leadership team as anyone else. And I could tell you that I have a good, I had a good mix of male and female when I moved to Christian Hospital. But I I tried to fix the behavior that I was exhibiting earlier in my street paramedic days. But I think that as professionals, and I know I'm kind of rambling at this point, but I know as professionals, as leaders, and people who have the opportunity to make a difference, if we're not giving our female counterparts the opportunity to be successful, and we're mocking them in meetings, or we're keeping them down, we are being just as, um, we are being just as harassing as the people who are just trying to use them as objects. Yeah, well... I think when we see that sort of behavior, we send by our silence. Uh, if you're not actively calling that sort of thing out publicly, um, uh, I think we're uh, Nancy's Nancy's uh, catchphrase is acceptance is teaching. Um, and if we we you know we become what we walk past and ignore, and if we're not calling that sort of thing out, yeah, what um, we what we permit, we promote. That's right. That's right. And you know, to my mind, you know, my, my vision of, of what is important in EMS, uh, plays actually more, more suited to traditional female, uh, roles than anything else. And and I don't want to get into a discussion about traditional male versus female roles and make it a binary issue because it's not, but, 
it's one of those things where um, I think that that uh, your heart is a heck of a lot more important than your hands in medicine. Um, your hands are important, uh, and your head's important, but but the compassion that you uh, that you bring to to your care is probably one of the the greatest gifts we can give our patients. And and I think that in traditional gender roles, uh, females are are better taught to be nurturers than males are. Obviously, you find uh, uh, many males who who are good nurturers, and and it's it's not a gender specific issue, but the some of the the nicest and most effective paramedics I've ever worked with were women. Yet you find some that you find some guys out there that think that that uh, um, what it takes to be an EMT is uh, is the ability to lift and do physical labor. Um, and, and I think that's horse manure. And and w- with the technology we have now and, and teamwork, even if you didn't have a power stretcher. Uh, teamwork. You don't have to lift that much, and and I'm not lifting uh, that much anyway without extra help uh, on a scene. So uh, the the physical limitations supposedly that females face are, I think, is a red herring. But you know, I'll draw you a contrast between a Kushnet fire and and Fairfax, where where Nicole Mittendorf was was allegedly bullied. Uh, cyber bullied by our fellow firefighters. So we, we still don't know the outcome of that, but indicative of, of a problem in the public safety and EMS culture uh, where it's still considered a boys club. You know, I've got a, uh, I've got a good friend who's a captain and, and uh, at the, uh, at her urban fire department. Uh, and she's really, really good at what she does. She's a good paramedic. She's an even better firefighter. Um, but, but she's had issues uh, coming, coming up through the ranks. Uh, and she's had to work harder to get where she got than she would have had to, uh, had she been a male. And it's a shame that, 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 uh, to achieve the same career goals that, that women often have to work harder. Uh, and I think the only way that we as men, um, can help to address that issue is to call it out, call out the, the bad behavior uh, amongst our others and, and make peer pressure, uh, 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 play a role in, in fixing that problem. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Do women have an equal career path in your department? If so, what would you suggest to fix it? Or how is your agency trying to fix it? We'd like to hear your thoughts on the issue at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Sebolero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>